Section twenty one of the Ingoldsby Legends, first series. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ingoldsby Legends, first series by Richard Harris Barham. Section twenty one. Rohesia, daughter of Ambrose and sister to Sir Everard Ingoldsby, was born about the beginning of the sixteenth century and was married in fifteen twenty six at St. Giles Cripplegate in the city of London. The following narrative contains all else that is known of the Lady Rohesia. The Lady Rohesia lay on her deathbed. So said the doctor, and doctors are generally allowed to be judges in these matters. Besides, Dr. Butts was the court physician. He carried a crutch-handled staff, with its cross of the blackest ebony, raison de plus. Is there no hope, doctor? said Beatrice Gray. Is there no hope? said Everard Ingoldsby. Is there no hope? said Sir Guy de Montgomery. He was the Lady Rohesia's husband. He spoke the last. The doctor shook his head. He looked at the disconsolate widower, in posse, then at the hourglass. Its waning sand seemed sadly to shadow forth the sinking pulse of his patient. Dr. Butts was a very learned man. Ars longa, vita brevis, said Dr. Butts. I am very sorry to hear it, quoth Sir Guy de Montgomery. Sir Guy was a brave knight, and a tall, but he was no scholar. Alas, my poor sister, sighed Ingoldsby. Alas, my poor mistress, sobbed Beatrice. Sir Guy neither sighed nor sobbed. His grief was too deep-seated for outward manifestation. And how long, doctor? The afflicted husband could not finish the sentence. Dr. Butts withdrew his hand from the wrist of the dying lady. He pointed to the horologe. Scarcely a quarter of its sand remained in the upper moiety. Again he shook his head. The eye of the patient waxed dimmer. The rattling in the throat increased. What's become of Father Francis? whimpered Beatrice. The last consolations of the church, suggested Everard. A darker shade came over the brow of Sir Guy. Where is the confessor? continued his grieving brother-in-law in the pantry cried marian hackett pertly as she tripped downstairs in search of that venerable ecclesiastic in the pantry i warrant me the bower woman was not wont to be in the wrong in the pantry was the holy man discovered at his devotions pax vobiscum said father francis as he entered the chamber of death vita brevis retorted dr butts he was not a man to be browbeat out of his Latin, and by a paltry friar minim, too. Had it been a bishop, indeed, or even a mitred abbot, but a miserable Franciscan. Benedicity, said the friar. Ars longa, returned the leech. Dr. Butts adjusted the tassels of his falling band, drew his short, sad-coloured cloak closer around him, and grasping his cross-handled walking-stick, stalked majestically out of the apartment. Father Francis had the field to himself. The worthy chaplain hastened to administer the last rites of the church. To all appearance he had little time to lose. As he concluded, the dismal toll of the passing bell sounded from the belfry tower. Little Hubert, the bandy-legged sacristan, was pulling with all his might. It was a capital contrivance, that same passing bell which of the urbans or innocents invented it is a query but whoever he was he deserved well of his country and of christendom 
ah our ancestors were not such fools after all as we their degenerate children conceit them to have been the passing bell a most solemn warning to imps of every description is not to be regarded with impunity the most impudent succubus of them all dare as well dip his claws in holy water as come within the verge of its sound old nick himself if he sets any value at all upon his tail had best convey himself clean out of hearing and leave the way open to paradise little hubert continued pulling with all his might and st peter began to look out for a customer the knell seemed to have some effect even upon the lady rohesia she raised her head slightly inarticulate sounds issued from her lips inarticulate that is to the profane ears of the laity those of father francis indeed were sharper nothing as he averred could be more distinct than the words a thousand marks to the priory of st mary Ronceval. now the lady rohesia ingoldsby had brought her husband broad lands and large possessions much of her ample dowry too was at her own disposal and non-cupative wills had not yet been abolished by act of parliament pious soul ejaculated father francis a thousand marks she said if she did i'll be shot said sir guy to montgomery a thousand marks continued the confessor fixing his cold grey eye upon the knight as he went on heedless of the interruption a thousand marks and as many aves and potters shall be duly said as soon as the money is paid down sir guy shrank from the monk's gaze he turned to the window and muttered to himself something that sounded like don't you wish you may get it the bell continued to toll father francis had quitted the room taking with him the remains of the holy oil he had been using for extreme unction everard ingoldsby waited on him downstairs a thousand thanks said the latter a thousand marks said the friar a thousand devils growled sir guy de montgomery from the top of the landing-place but his accents fell unheeded his brother-in-law and the friar were gone he was left alone with his departing lady and beatrice grey sir guy de montgomery stood pensively at the foot of the bed his arms were crossed upon his bosom his chin was sunk upon his breast his eyes were filled with tears the dim rays of the fading watchlight gave a darker shade to the furrows on his brow and a brighter tint to the little bald patch on the top of his head for sir guy was a middle-aged gentleman tall and portly withal with a slight bend in his shoulders but that not much his complexion was somewhat florid especially about the nose but his lady was in extremis and at this particular moment he was paler than usual bim boom went the bell the knight groaned audibly beatrice grey wiped her eye with her little square apron of lace de maline there was a moment's pause a moment of intense affliction she let it fall all but one corner which remained between her finger and thumb she looked at sir guy drew the thumb and forefinger of her other hand slowly along its border till they reached the opposite extremity she sobbed aloud so kind a lady said beatrice grey so excellent a wife responded sir guy 
so good said the damsel so dear said the knight so pious said she so humble said he so good to the poor so capital a manager so punctual at matins dinner dished to a moment so devout said beatrice so fond of me said sir guy end of father francis what the devil do you mean by that said sir guy de montgomery the knight and the maiden had rung their antiphonic changes on the fine qualities of the departing lady like the strophe and antistrophe of a greek play the cardinal virtues once disposed of her minor excellences came under review she would drown a witch drink lamb's wool at christmas beg domini dumps boys a holiday and dine upon sprats on good friday a low moan from the subject of these eulogies seemed to intimate that the enumeration of her good deeds was not altogether lost on her that the parting spirit felt and rejoiced in the testimony she was too good for earth continued sir guy yet yet yes sobbed beatrice i did not deserve her said the knight no cried the damsel not but that i made her an excellent husband and a kind but she is going and and where or when or how shall i get such another not in broad england not in the whole wide world responded beatrice grey that is not just such another her voice still faltered but her accents on the whole were more articulate she dropped the corner of her apron and had recourse to her handkerchief in fact her eyes were getting red and so was the tip of her nose sir guy was silent he gazed for a few moments steadfastly on the face of his lady the single word another fell from his lips like a distant echo it is not often that the viewless nymph repeats more than is necessary bim boom went the bell bandy-legged hubert had been tolling for half an hour he began to grow tired and st peter fidgety beatrice grey said sir guy de montgomery what's to be done what's to become of montgomery hall and the buttery and the servants and what what's to become of me beatrice grey there was pathos in his tones and a solemn pause succeeded i'll turn monk myself said sir guy monk said beatrice i'll be a carthusian repeated the knight but in a tone less assured he relapsed into a reverie shave his head he did not so much mind that he was getting rather bald already but beans for dinner and those without butter and then a horsehair shirt the knight seemed undecided his eye roamed gloomily around the apartment it paused upon different objects but as if it saw them not its sense was shut and there was no speculation in its glance it rested at last upon the fair face of the sympathizing damsel at his side beautiful in her grief her tears had ceased but her eyes were cast down and mournfully fixed upon her delicate little foot which was beating the devil's tattoo there is no talking to a female when she does not look at you sir guy turned round he seated himself on the edge of the bed and placing his hand beneath the chin of the lady turned up her face in an angle of fifteen degrees 
I don't think I shall take the vows, Beatrice. But what's to become of me? Poor, miserable, old, that is, poor, miserable, middle-aged man that I am. No one to comfort, no one to care for me. Beatrice's tears flowed afresh, but she opened not her lips. Upon my life, continued he, I don't believe there is a creature now would care a button if I were hanged to-morrow. Oh, don't say so, Sir Guy, sighed Beatrice. You know there's, there's Master Everard, and, and Father Francis. Pish, cried Sir Guy testily. And there's your favourite old bitch. I am not thinking of old bitches, quoth Sir Guy de Montgomery. Another pause ensued. The knight had released her chin and taken her hand. It was a pretty little hand, with long taper fingers and filbert-formed nails, and the softness of the palm said little for its owner's industry. Sit down, my dear Beatrice, said the knight thoughtfully. You must be fatigued with your long watching. Take a seat, my child. Sir Guy did not relinquish her hand, but he sidled along the counterpane and made room for his companion between himself and the bedpost. Now this is a very awkward position for two people to be placed in, especially when the right hand of the one holds the right hand of the other. In such an attitude, what the deuce can the gentleman do with his left? Sir Guy closed his till it became an absolute fist, and his knuckles rested on the bed, a little in the rear of his companion. Another, repeated Sir Guy, musing, if indeed I could find such another. He was talking to his thought, but Beatrice Grey answered him. There's Madame Fitzfoozle, a frump, said Sir Guy, or the Lady Bombarton, with her hump, muttered he. There's the Dowager. Stop, stop, said the knight. Stop one moment. He paused. He was all on a tremble. Something seemed rising in his throat, but he gave a great gulp and swallowed it. Beatrice, said he, what think you of, his voice sank into a most seductive softness, what think you of Beatrice Grey? The murder was out. The knight felt infinitely relieved. The knuckles of his left hand unclosed spontaneously, and the arm he had felt such a difficulty in disposing of found itself, nobody knows how, all at once encircling the jimp waist of the pretty Beatrice. The young lady's reply was expressed in three syllables. They were, Oh, Sir Guy. The words might be somewhat indefinite, but there was no mistaking the look. Their eyes met. Sir Guy's left arm contracted itself spasmodically. When the eyes meet, at least as theirs met, the lips are very apt to follow the example. The knight had taken one long, loving kiss, nectar and ambrosia. He thought on Dr. Butts and his repetitor Haustus, a prescription Father Francis had taken infinite pains to translate for him. He was about to repeat it, but the dose was interrupted in transitu. Doubtless the adage, there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip, hath reference to medicine. Sir Guy's lip was again all but in conjunction with that of his bride-elect. It has been hinted already that there was a little round polished patch on the summit of the knight's paracranium, from which his locks had gradually receded, a sort of oasis, 
or rather a mont blanc in miniature rising above the highest point of vegetation it was on this little spot undefended alike by art and nature that at this interesting moment a blow descended such as we must borrow a term from the sister island adequately to describe it was a whack sir guy started upon his feet beatrice grey started upon hers but a single glance to the rear reversed her position she fell upon her knees and screamed the knight too wheeled about and beheld a sight which might have turned a bolder man to stone it was she the all but defunct rohesia there she sat bolt upright her eyes no longer glazed with a film of impending dissolution but scintillating like flint and steel while in her hand she grasped the bedstaff a weapon of mickle might as her husband's bloody coxcomb could now well testify words were yet wanting for the quinsy which her rage had broken still impeded her utterance but the strength and rapidity of her guttural intonations augured well for her future eloquence sir guy de montgomery stood for a while like a man distraught this resurrection for such it seemed had quite overpowered him a husband oft-times makes the best physician says the proverb he was a living personification of its truth still it was whispered he had been content with dr butts but his lady was restored to bless him for many years heavens what a life he led the lady rohesia mended apace her quinsy was cured the bell was stopped and little hubert the sacristan kicked out of the chapelry st peter opened his wicket and looked out there was nobody there so he flung to the gate in a passion and went back to his lodge grumbling at being hoaxed by a runaway ring years rolled on the improvement of lady rohesia's temper did not keep pace with that of her health and one fine morning sir guy de montgomery was seen to enter the porte cochere of durham house at that time the town residence of sir walter raleigh nothing more was ever heard of him but a boat full of adventurers was known to have dropped down with the tide that evening to detford hope where lay the good ship the darling commanded by captain kemis who sailed next morning on the virginia voyage a brass plate some eighteen inches long may yet be seen in denton chancel let into a broad slab of batherston marble it represents a lady kneeling in her wimple and hood her hands are clasped in prayer and beneath is an inscription in the characters of the age pray for ye soul of ye lady royce and for all christian souls the date is illegible but it appears that she survived king henry the eighth and that the dissolution of monasteries had lost st mary ronceval her thousand marks as for beatrice grey it is well known that she was alive in fifteen fifty nine and then had virginity enough left to be a maid of honour to good queen bess end of section twenty one